If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. You and I can be in, say, a virtual space in a room, for example, and I can say, well, you know what? I was actually thinking that we would build a table like this, and I would be able to draw in air and space and show you what I meant. Creative collaboration, community building, the education process. While the pandemic has radically changed our ways of connecting, all of the above are still possible virtually during quarantine. And there's a possibility that we may actually be able to grow beyond some of the ways we've used immersive technology in the past. Creative technology strategist Michelle Excel is the founder of the Antipodean, a hybrid consultancy and production collective which specializes in immersive technology. Michelle, what are some of the newer ways that you're seeing immersive technology being put to use during the pandemic? Okay, um, <laughs> so many. I almost did too much prep for this. <laughs> so I have a million different answers. I think that the most interesting new ways that people are actually using tech is not just jumping onto the platforms like Zoom or you know Instagram TV. Obviously, there's been an uptick in all of those. But what I find really interesting is what people are using them for. So obviously, there's a lot more gaming going on. Obviously, there's a lot more teleconferencing and video conferencing going on. There's a lot more content consumption in general. But some people and some businesses and some learning academies using these tools for really ways that you you wouldn't normally have thought. So they're not just saying, oh, we can't do a meeting in person anymore. Let's do it online. They're actually saying, well, how were we doing meetings before? You know, were we actually doing them in an efficient way? And hey, did you know that some of these tools exist online so that, you know, if we're to do, say, a creation or a brainstorming meeting, why don't we jump into, you know, a tool or a platform that allows us to actually whiteboard together or create in 3D together? And that's actually something we never thought of doing when we were, you know, in our normal offices or going about going about our normal lives. So I think that there's not just an uptick in some of the typical things we would think. I'm seeing some really cool new inventive ways that people are using technology for brand new ways of working, I think, which is really cool. Michelle explained how some of the new users were putting these technologies to work to accomplish their specific goals. There are a lot of online collaboration tools, and there's a really great list on a website called makereal.co.uk, and the article title is Using Immersive Technologies for Remote Working. So there were a lot of tools that were being used, say, within the like AEC industry, architecture, engineering, construction, and a lot of industries that worked in 3D already had already started to adopt these new immersive technologies like VR or shared AR or even just sort of brainstorming tools that are digital. And so I'm seeing a lot of people, a lot of companies now start to look to what some of those leading industries like, say, architecture were doing and see how they could use it for their business. So there are tools like Spatial.io, which was a 
like a headset AR-based system primarily, but they're now opening it up for VR and web, which means that you can have people on any different device all still working within one's virtual environment, which is really key because not everyone has a headset or not everyone has a specialist device. So there's a lot of those sort of products that are actually coming out right now that are becoming more popular. So they're starting to break out of just, say, the technology or AEC industry and people are starting to use them more prevalently. So I've got a VR startup, for example, it's called Voyager. It's all about exploration, but in virtual environments. So we go to real places like the Gobi Desert and use very high-tech imaging technology to capture these real environments and use them for real practical things on the ground, like finding fossils, things like that, but then port them back into virtual environments and have people be able to wander around and use them. So we're actually building out a prototype right now, and we were about to co-locate our team to the UK so that we could start working with a specialist team there. Obviously can't do that right now. So we've been doing a real deep dive into these tools like Immersed VR, Spatial.io, Glue, Meetin VR. There's a lot of different platforms that allow you to not only get together and sort of see each other and talk and, and bring up presentations and write sticky notes and virtually whiteboard, but also to bring in 3D models or to draw in 3D. What drawing in 3D means is that you and I can be in, say, a virtual space in a room, for example, and I can say, well, you know what? I was actually thinking that we would, you know, build a table like this, and I would be able to draw in air and space and show you what I meant. I mean, my drawing skills lack a lot, <laughs> but I'm still able to, you know, get the gist <laughs> across. And those sorts of tools are really, really interesting for, say, my previous career, which was in advertising. We have creative teams in advertising, so a copywriter and art director duo who get together and come up with, you know, big campaign ideas. And, you know, they can't be together right now. And these are people who work in pairs. Their whole career is spent in pairs, art director, copywriter. And so now, what do they do? Well, they can have chats, they can have videos, they can work and share Google Docs. But if they had an AR or a VR headset, which, you know, not that expensive, they could actually be sitting in the same room together doodling in 3D or, say, event planning people, you know, rather than working with their designers to build out, you know, like a 3D model of a space or something like that, they can just sketch it themselves. So I think that a lot of these tools that are being used by really specialist industries have far-reaching practical application for industries that before maybe wouldn't have even thought about using them. And that's what I'm trying to do with some of the consulting that I'm doing with agencies and creative and brands is to say, hey, these tools exist. Did you know that you could maybe use them? <laughs> and I think, I think they'd really help, even though you're not an architecture firm, you know, you still think in 3D. Let's look at how people that might not normally have used these could put them to use. Specifically, I'm thinking of the education field and how perhaps might a teacher who's not getting her students to respond with distance learning spark their imagination through one or more of these so that they do want to be involved in distance education? Yeah, education is a really, really interesting, interesting area. I think a lot of teachers out there are starting to adopt more practical-based teaching already. So there's a lot more coding going on in classrooms. There's a lot more robotics going on in classrooms. There's a lot more engineering. There's a lot more 
maybe digital tool creation like using augmented reality and virtual reality in classrooms already. So because there is already this sort of like physical presence, they can actually use some really simple tools. So I did write out a little bit about this for learning and connecting for people that maybe don't do this for a living. So first off, I was doing some preparation for this chat we're having and I jumped onto LinkedIn. I was, I was trying to find something from one of the leading AR experts and I'll get to that in a bit. But a post popped up on LinkedIn from an old school friend, guy I went to high school with. Now he is like a senior associate at an insurance and commercial litigation practice in New Zealand. Something you would not have thought would necessarily be ripe for, say, digital transformational tools, right? This is a serious old school business. And his post was, I'm going to read this out because I took a screenshot, just had planning conference for an online mediation. Will this be the way of the future after the lockdown has ended? Hashtag new normal. So this is somebody who, granted, Sam is incredibly intelligent and a really awesome person. You know, already traditional businesses are starting to think about how they can do their current business in new ways. They're not just thinking, oh, we're now going to have to do this as a phone call or we're now going to have to do this as a video conference. You know, they're thinking about how to actually create a new environment to do some of the processes that they do right now. So somebody else actually posted as a comment on that post and said, we had a dummy run this morning and it was fantastic. This is a different firm. Some aspects were better than a real life mediation. So that is really telling. I often pull anecdotes like this out of the real world when I'm talking to people about immersive technology because I love showing examples of where what I call real people in the real world, not people who were born and steeped in ARVR, how they are actually naturally gravitating towards some of these new immersive technologies. Now, you wouldn't necessarily think of video conferencing as immersive technology, but it really is. So I'm going to give you some examples of this. We got together recently, and there's something to be said for getting a whole bunch of your friends together or getting a whole bunch of your colleagues together and having a video conference. That's cool, right? Like that's sort of what everyone's by default doing right now. But I think that the opportunity here is to actually plan something practical when you're going to use these tools. It's not enough to just say, hey, let's get everyone on a video conference and it's going to work. I think this is what you're getting at with learning. How do we use these platforms to actually make more engaging experiences? So we recently got together and had a social catch-up, but what we did is we have a friend in our friend group who used to work with my husband, who's a chef, who is now out of a job, like most of the restaurants in San Francisco and the people in hospitality. It's very unfortunate. So person he used to work with, Jason, was a, a bartender at the restaurant that my husband worked at. He had just started a wine consultancy. What that means is he helps people to actually understand wine, new varietals, you know, does tastings at different corporate offices, things like that. Something that, you know, what with this new situation is maybe going to be a little bit difficult. So rather than me just organizing to have a bunch of friends catch up on a Friday for, you know, bring our own drink and have a happy hour, I asked Jason if he could actually help us host something and instead we had an hour where we all caught up and he took us through a bunch of the different wines that he actually works with and together gave us a whole bunch of information about what biodiversity and wines means, what natural wines mean, you know, all the new regions in the world that are coming up, 
and actually walked us through buying collectively as a group a few different cases of wine, and then we would actually divvy it up and split it up. Now, that's not just having a happy hour, that's getting together with an excuse. So what I thought is this works in learning and it also works for small businesses and just friend groups. If you have a friend or a family member who has a skill, so think about that could mean anything, right? They could be a painter, they could be a chef, they could be somebody who's really good at folding clothes because they had a background in retail, that's a real skill. Why don't you make it a Skillshare session? you know, and get your friends together to actually do practical things rather than just getting together to catch up. And you can do this with your family as well. So, you know, maybe that person has a business and you could actually, you know, have them do a consulting session for all of your friends and you chip in a little bit of money and pay them for a consulting session. Maybe they're selling actual product. Maybe they have a clothing store that can't be open right now. And so they actually show you the different range of clothes that they have and you can maybe buy you're basically, you know, paying for a masterclass for somebody and rather than paying masterclass the company, which of course also needs support, but you know, so do your friends. Like think about how you can do that. And if you're then focusing on learning and education and kids, could you host something where you actually give the kids a bit of a homework project and then when you all get back together again, you get them to present. Because Zoom actually has some really cool tools. I'm not sure if if everyone's aware of these. Zoom actually has a whiteboard feature. So you can get on a video conference and then you can open the whiteboard and together you can actually play games and sketch things. So if you're a teacher and you've got a whole bunch of kids there and you're trying to actually keep them engaged on you, you can whiteboard things or you can get the kids to whiteboard things with you. It's actually a shared whiteboard. It's really cool. So even if you're getting together with, say, your nieces and nephews, you know, you could play hangman or tic-tac-toe or something like that on Zoom. So it's actually getting people to interact and those sorts of things, looking at what's going to actually keep people's attention. And I think that's really cool. Or did you also know that through Zoom, I'm not a Zoom representative by any means, and I know that there's been some weird issues about security for them in the news, but, you know, I use Facebook, so I'm kind of open to that. And you can actually cast your phone through a Zoom conference. What that means is I can be on my phone using, say, a face filter on Instagram, and I can cast that into the Zoom chat on my computer so I can show you something on my phone. So that's pretty cool. So if you think about it, you could do AR lessons with your kids, and you could cast on your phone and show them what you're seeing. And then later, they can get their parents to download that app and maybe play with it at home if it's looking at fossils or it's going on an art gallery tour or something like that. So you can actually use some of these tools that we use for video conferencing for way more immersive activities. And I also thought, got kids on one hand, what about grandparents or your parents? What about doing a lesson with them or a Zoom chat with them and showing them how to, say, use different apps or how to, you know, go through the settings on their phone, you know, doing things like that as well. Like this is a really good opportunity for us to actually be doing immersive learning for everybody and immersive commerce and immersive social catch-ups and thinking how to use these tools beyond just the core video chat functions. I never knew that Zoom had a whiteboard. And if somebody's new to Zoom and you say you can cast on your phone, what does cast mean on your phone? What that basically means is I could be sitting here on my phone and I can open up an app 
and I can start playing around and using that app. What I can do at the same time is I can make sure that whoever else is on that Zoom call is seeing what I'm doing on my phone. So I don't have to hold my phone up to the camera and show myself clicking around. What I can do is actually take like a, it's basically a live feed of what's happening on my phone face. And on screen, if you're joining the Zoom call and you've got the video on, you see my phone appear on your screen and you see me clicking around, opening apps. You can even see me use augmented reality. You can even, if I open my camera, see through my camera. gets a bit meta, but what it allows you to do is it allows you to actually do tutorials and things for people in real time. It's really fantastic. So that could be a really great tool for teachers. That is so cool. And I'm assuming that if a teacher is not familiar with Zoom, he or she can find out just by going to their website? Absolutely. There are step-by-step instructions for how to cast, how to use the whiteboard, whether you're on an Android or an iOS device everything. It's really easy. I'm normally the sort of person that needs somebody to show me something. I'm not very good at written instructions, which is ridiculous. Um, I'm a very hyper-visual person, and I was able to follow the instructions. They had lots of screenshots. It was fantastic. And to assure anybody who's listening, I'm just like that too. I can watch you do things all day, but I have to get my hands on. I have to do it, or I'm not going to know how to do it. Absolutely. And with any goal you'd like to achieve through immersive technology, Michelle says... There's both an essential technique with which to begin and a vital perspective to keep in mind. It was, again, kind of paradoxical. What I said is the most powerful tool that I've ever found for digital transformation is pen and paper. It's really writing things down to begin with. Because if you don't have an idea of your requirements, where the opportunities are, you know, it can be very difficult to create new process or to transform. And I really want to drive home that in this current climate, that people who are just looking at these digital tools as a stopgap are missing a huge opportunity. There really is an opportunity here to adapt what we do right now and evolve what we do right now and actually get rid of some of the inefficient processes, some of the dead wood, basically, that we had before. I went through this really interesting exercise where I started to whiteboard all of the different reasons we give ourselves why in-person meetings are more powerful or valuable in business. And I wrote them all down from, you know, trust, building relationships, making sure others understand your points, you know, or that you understand their needs, getting people's full attention. It just seems more professional, you know, provides more value. You know, you can take physical products with you, you know, the impact of a meeting, your voice, your physical presence, you know, motivation, pumping people up outcomes, getting people to sign on the dotted line rather than, you know, sending them an email and waiting for later. So what I started to do, and this is a process that I would encourage others to do, I started to look at what we value now, sort of, you know, pre-COVID, what we value about being in person, what it allows for a small business. You would say, well, I have a shop. So me having a physical shop means that, you know, people can walk past and see me. They can come in and try things on. I published a little post on LinkedIn about how retail could actually use this as an opportunity to maybe even connect more deeply with people and offer online consulting and and even get groups of friends together and offer online consulting and shopping through video conference. So actually seeing the clothes, talking to a you know the fashion designer, 
even creating it as something social, you know, making it to a social event rather than, you know, going shopping with your friends. It kind of hasn't been a social thing for maybe a decade or so as e-commerce has risen. So I would encourage people to look at what they think what they're telling themselves is really valuable about the way that they're doing things now or the way that they're doing things in person and see if there are ways to create more value online. So, you know, making sure that you have people's attention, being able to share or actually collaborate together or share 3D products or, you know, interact. Sometimes now we're seeing that some of these online tools can actually be more valuable than the time that we would have spent in person, printing off presentation decks, traveling to get somewhere. You know, what about, you can, yes, make your business processes more efficient and also think about, you know, the benefit to your employees, the money that you're saving, the time that you're saving. You know, it could have taken me an hour to get to a meeting. Well, I could now have that meeting virtually and then go for a half-hour walk and then do a half-hour stretch, you know, and making sure that, you know, you're actually looking at the benefits, not just looking at oh, which tool is going to allow me to do what I used to do in person online. Look at how you're doing things differently. I know that that doesn't necessarily scream immersive technology, but I think once you look at how you've been doing things and then look at why you were doing those things and look at how you could do them better, that's where the hundreds of available immersive technology tools come into play and that's where I can help. So I think that this is a real time for introspection and to look at how you could actually do things more efficiently. I think that some small businesses are going to realize that they can actually reach more people, more customers globally and be more authentic about their story and not just using social media and paid posts, but looking at how they can actually offer some services, tools and products in a way that's not just a scrolling e-commerce site or that's not just video. You know, I think that we need to look beyond. We were doing that stuff before. So you just want to do more of it now that we're cooped up? No, we want to be playing multiplayer experiences and bringing augmented reality things into people's living rooms. And, you know, I want to show you the clothes that I like because I can actually wear them. And, you know, you have a shop that I love. I can't go into that shop, but, you know, you can show me the clothes in your shop and I can put on the clothes that I like. And we can actually have a more engaging, fulfilling efficient interaction than we could say in a mall and so I think that there's just a huge amount of opportunity out there and I would really really encourage people to start like brainstorming and whiteboarding writing down where they they might not even know where there are areas for opportunity until they start writing it down like you, I'm not making light of this because a lot of people have had some really heartbreaking times in this pandemic, but in some ways, just in some ways, there are a lot of creative challenges here. There's even the opportunity in our isolation to build a world a little bit more like the world I remembered where, as you referenced just now, the local store is not just the local store. They're also going to be giving you maybe some guidance or show you what colors look good with what, maybe suggest style, things of that nature. Stuff I remember from growing up in a small town. Yeah, and that's a really, really good point. I did want to say that, but I didn't want to be kind of weird about it. But older school companies, I've always felt, have a better opportunity to evolve with digital tools. Like I have this whole theory about, well, no, it's not a theory. A lot of people agree with this, that disruption is disruptive. And disruption is often not fixing or evolving underlying issues or 
really, it's not bringing everyone along with it, breaking things. And I'm not a big believer in that. Like if you look back, there's a company called AutoCAD. If you look them up, they've been around for, I think it's, I think it's actually about 60 years. I think it's a ridiculously long time. So like, you know, beginning of computer usage and they help with visualization, 3D tools and creation. And, you know, you would think of them I think now we would think of them as, you know, technologically advanced because they work in digital, but they have actually been around for, you know, twice as long as a lot of the major companies that we think of as digital, you know, the Microsoft and Apples and things of the world. They care about their people and care about their process and care about the way that they do business in such a wonderful way. And now they apply new technology and ways of collaborating and ways of working to that. So I love that old school. You're absolutely right. Like I used to go to shops because I enjoyed that shop. I didn't just necessarily go browsing. You know, I, I hate online shopping because it's a huge miss for me. And I almost feel like now we have this opportunity to actually, yeah, bring some of what used to be magical about some of the, what we would see as like old school, you know, or traditional environments and bring some of that magic and what used to make us connect with them you know, that manager who walks around, you know, their office in the morning and has a, a check-in or a chat, you know, with each of their people that report into them. You can do that digitally. I think a lot of natural managers are really going to shine in this new age because they know that it's important to check in with people and they will find a way to do it remotely or not. People who are not natural managers will just expect everybody to be managing their stuff and say, well, you know, we have an online system for you to do that. Why haven't you filled it in? You know? <laughs> so I think that people who have sort of that natural empathy, people who want to teach, people who are just, you know, caring in general, people who are really, really creative, but maybe have a role that has a title like project manager or something like that, and they're not seen as creative. Yeah, this time could, could really give them an opportunity to shine, I think. You've been doing some research about the trends, I think. I was wondering what one of your favorite stories was from what you saw and how things are changing with immersive technologies. I think what we're seeing in immersive technology is that people are starting to take it a lot more seriously. There is a lot more content out there. There's a lot more free content out there. For I was actually a little bit surprised recently. As soon as lockdown happened, I pulled out the Honestly, I have about five different VR headsets and platforms, and I suddenly pulled them out and went, okay, right, my business partner in Hong Kong for my exploration VR company, Michael. I'm like, Michael, we've got to figure out how to keep our startup going, basically, while this is happening. So let's both put our quests on, our Oculus Quest headsets on, and let's figure this out. And I was a little bit surprised that a lot of these VR platforms haven't focused very much on connectivity. What I mean by that is I should be able to jump into my headset. I should be able to have my mum or my business partner jump into a headset in their respective house, and we should all be able to go, okay, let's jump into this application together now. Great, let's jump into this other application together now. There's a really great new tool called Sculpt. It's like the word sculpt, sculpted, but without the, the E, the sculpt. And you can draw these, you know, great 3D, amazing, you know, structures, creations, 3D paintings, like Tilt Brush, if anyone's heard of Tilt Brush, but 
I much prefer it. And it would be so cool for me to be able to, you know, just jump into that tool with one of my friends who was also in a headset, like a shared session. There are tools that do that. So Google Expeditions is, you're probably familiar with this already. It's been out for a few years. It's used by millions of kids all over the world. It allows teachers, classrooms to access 360 footage from a number of different content creators all around the world and go on visits to, say, Antarctica or the Great Pyramids or even go underwater. And it allows the teacher to control what everybody is seeing so that they can guide, so that they can guide the kids as they're all in, in VR. But that's one application. And there are others that are multiplayer, but again, it's that application. So what I want to see more of, and I hope that this situation that we're in now forces companies to look at ways to, say, connect their digital ecosystem. So allow us to actually journey together a little bit better. And that's what something like Zoom does where you're able to share screen and sort of both go along somewhere. It's what Netflix is starting to do with their, you know, Netflix like watch parties, but it's a little bit rudimentary. It would be better if that was in VR and we could both be in a headset watching the same thing together and chatting to each other. I have this dream that I will be able to watch Antiques Roadshow with my mum, even though she's in New Zealand, and we'll be able to chat about it like we always do when we watch TV. We talk more than we watch and just how cool that would be. So, But I am seeing that sort of accessibility and crowdsourcing and availability of free assets more in augmented reality. So augmented reality has a plethora of new tools. There's a really, really fantastic person in augmented reality that you should follow. His name is Tom Emmerich. E-M-R-I-C-H, Tom Emmerich. You really need to follow him. He now works at a company called Eighth Wall, which is a, a really wonderful tool slash platform slash startup that supports us in building web AR. That means augmented reality on your phone that you can access through the browser. Like you would just go to a website and then you can pop up and access AR through it rather than downloading an app or going onto social. So you follow him. He's been reporting on some really fantastic trends. Sketchfab is a like a platform that allows you to host and download and share 3D assets from, you know, a 3D asset of a stadium to a 3D volumetric asset of a person, whatever you might want, Sketchfab, check it out. There have been tens of thousands of new assets added to Sketchfab that are now available for people to create. Now, yes, you can use them in VR, but you can also use them in AR. There are There's an amazing project that he reported on recently that was from Helsinki, the city, where they actually, there was a startup who worked with Helsinki to start creating a city-scale like map of Helsinki. And it was done through AR crowdsourcing. So through people going out and capturing some of their own assets, and then it gets added into this master map, this augmented 3D reality map of Helsinki. Like things like this, where you've got access, but you're also asking people to get involved and contribute. These sorts of things are starting to happen more and more frequently. And there's a lot of new tools out on the market. I'm just going to give you two that you can absolutely download. They're free to use. One of them is called Capture. You spell it normally, Capture. <laughs> it's, it's an iOS app. I'm using it on iOS. It might be on Android as well. 
it allows you to capture your face or your hand or an object in 3D. It actually makes like a 3D asset out of it, which is really cool. That's maybe more for more kind of heavy creators. Display.land as an app, display.land does a similar thing. It allows you to capture, say, like your living room or your kitchen, turn it into a 3D asset. And then for something more fun and certainly kid-friendly, really kid-friendly, is an app called Jadu, J-A-D-U. Now, Jadu has taken artists, singers, songwriters, and has captured them volumetrically, which means that they have captured live video of them in a 3D way. So it's not an avatar. It's not a character that looks like them. It's actually them in video, but a 3D video. And it's put them into an app, and they do different dance moves, and you can copy them. So it's kind of like TikTok, except rather than the challenges be just you do the challenge and post about it, you can actually dance with the singer who's also doing dance moves, and then you can post your video of you both doing that dance move synchronized together. It'll make more sense once you download it. So I'm seeing AR really taking leaps and bounds to being a lot more accessible, a lot more playful, and encouraging a lot more creation. Catch up, again, Display.land and Jadu to keep especially kids occupied, and that strikes me that would be a way to get them moving when we're all stuck at home. As mentioned before, Michelle is the founder of San Francisco-based consultancy and production collective The Antipodean, and in 2019, she also co-founded two new startups. I'd like to know what's coming up for the Antipodean, and if you had time, I would love to have you tell me a little bit about the new project you have, I have, that you now have, Quartet Agency. Ah, we do, yeah, Quartet and Voyager. So the Antipodean is a consulting firm. I work with a bunch of different production companies around the world who've been working with me for years now. I have AR specialists, VR specialists, experiential specialists, AI specialists, really incredible production companies. We make things for brands and for agencies and for organizations and corporations. Really, really engaging, fun stuff. What we're doing is we're doing a workshop series with one of my companies called The Electric Factory. And we are doing a web workshop series with brands and agencies where we tell you all about Spark AR. Spark AR is what Facebook and Instagram use to do AR. So it's very accessible, very easy for brands to build out experiences. It is more geared towards brands and agencies. We're not doing it for the public, but there are a lot of tools out there and a lot of communities who are more publicly accessible. If you're a creator and want to make something, you can follow, say, the Spark AR Creators Group on Facebook, for example. But if you are a brand or agency and want to reach out, we're doing these Spark workshops where we show you how McDonald's and, you know, every brand, KLM and Nike and every brand under the sun is using Spark AR. So that's really fun hands-on. And then, yeah, I have a startup, which we are in prototype development for now, Voyager, I mentioned. It's taking these huge environmental data sets that are actually captured on real expeditions, real scientific expeditions, through the Explorers Club and, and other uh, associations. And we're turning them into edutainment experiences for VR, AR, and web, where you can actually learn how to fly drones and join an expedition team and search for fossils and use all of the tools that we use in the field. Basically, think you're going on an expedition, but you're doing it virtually. And it's entertaining first, but stupendously educational. We have some incredible education advisors. So talking about the last time we talked, Dot, we were talking about STEAM 
and how to get younger people and women more engaged in STEAM, we're now doing it. <laughs> so that's, that's been a pretty big development since we spoke last, which is very exciting. And Quartet is an agency that I formed with three colleagues, far-flung places around the world. Johan's in Sweden, Emily's in Austin, Ben is in Melbourne in Australia. And we are offering voice consultancy specialties. So what this means is anything from chatbots to interactive video platforms to an Amazon Google Assistant strategy, anything that you might want to do or be curious about or want to build out for your company or brand or anything that involves voice and AI technology, we're a specialist consulting group who can help you with all of those things. So it strikes me that brands or larger brands would most like the Antipodean and Quartet Agency, but mostly teachers and makers would love to know more about Voyager. Where do they find out more about that? So we've just launched our page. We are still going to be in startup mode, stealth mode almost for about the next year as we build out our first prototype. But if you follow along on Voyager at V-O-I-I-J-E-R.com. So it's phonetically spelled <laughs> Voyager. Uh, so that's V-O-I-I-J-E-R.com. And you can also find us on LinkedIn. V-O-I-I-J-E-R.com. We'll keep an eye on that one. As we wrap up here, Michelle, as a small business person and innovator, what do you need most right now? How can people best support you? I think what they can do most now is actually let me help them. <laughs> so I've been trying to get a lot of thought leadership out there on social, on LinkedIn, and let other small businesses and brands know that there are ways that they can continue to operate in this current climate, and that perhaps there are even opportunities to be had to evolve or adapt their business to new new revenue streams, better ways of doing things, more efficiency, less carbon emissions. And so I've been putting some thought pieces out on LinkedIn and really starting to to basically kick off conversations with friends of mine, but also with the brands and clients that I currently work with. So what I would say is, if you're curious about this, then let's start a dialogue because I was already passionate about basically digital and immersive transformation for companies. And whilst this is cannot be seen as a you know a positive in many ways. I do believe that COVID has basically provided a catalyst to really propel a lot of these conversations forward. And I'm seeing small inventive businesses, small inventive cities, small innovative countries really take leaps and bounds. And I would say that in America and our sort of you know giant fragmented system, um, that there is a lot of opportunity, but these smaller sort of nimble companies and nimbler countries are really taking advantage of this. And I want to hopefully work with a lot more American companies to help them take advantage of these tools and opportunities as well, because I don't think we can go back to the way that things were. Um, I don't think we should in many cases. I think we should be using this as an opportunity to become more efficient and to become a little more transparent and I know it seems strange because we're all socially distanced right now, but actually a little bit more human. That's the total paradox is that in our isolation, we're all together here. Michelle, thank you for your time today. 
Thank you. And I'll follow up with you later, but I'm going to put a lot of the notes that I prepped for today, a lot of the references and links into a LinkedIn article. Michelle's article is entitled COVID as a Catalyst for Transformation, and you can find it on LinkedIn by going to linkedin.com forward slash pulse forward slash COVID dash catalyst dash transformation dash Michelle dash XL. This is a great one with lots of fantastic resources and suggestions. I highly recommend that you check it out. Once again, that link linkedin.com forward slash pulse forward slash COVID dash catalyst dash transformation dash Michelle. She spells her first name M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E dash Excel, E-X-C-E-L-L. Meanwhile, you and I have been listening to Michelle Excel, founder of the Antipodean and co-founder of the startups Voyager and the Quartet Agency. If you're a brand or an agency, check out the Antipodean's workshops at theantipodean.us, as well as Quartet Agency's work at quartet.agency. And if you're an education professional or a maker, you might just like to see the updates on Voyager, spelled phonetically V-O-I-I-J-E-R dot com. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X, twomavericks.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.